Hi, welcome new listeners, as I tend to say, and welcome back if you've been here before. Our story in focus this week is going to be about some unethical scammers who reused COVID test swabs in Indonesia. What they did potentially affected thousands of people. Among other stories, we'll also highlight the new Zulu King in South Africa, talk about Chinese rocket debris that is set to land uncontrollably back into Earth this weekend, South Africa's decision to end the captive lion industry, a New Zealand vigilante's effort to get potholes fixed using controversial street art, and a farmer in Belgium who unintentionally redrew an international border. I'm your host, Yemi, and every week I bring you overlooked stories from all around the world. As you will see from this episode, and especially that street art, the stories are going to include the good, the bad, some random, and some that are kind of weird. If you ever come across a story that you think should be on this podcast, just reach out on social media through the link in the show notes. With that said, let us get right into the stories for this week. In South Africa, Prince Misuzulu, whose name means strengthening the Zulus, has been named to take over the next Zulu king according to the will of his mother and the regent queen. The queen and regent died unexpectedly at the age of 65 on April 30th, after the former king died on March 12th at the age of 72, following a battle with a diabetes-related illness. The late king, King Goodwill Zueletini, the longest-serving leader of South Africa's largest ethnic group, spent more than half a century on the throne and left behind six wives and 28 children. The king named one of his six wives as the regent of the Zulu kingdom in his will. But she died after holding the title for only a month, and that threw the royal succession into turmoil. The announcement of the 46-year-old prince, Misuzulu Zulu, as the next king led to chaos at the royal palace. According to local reports, two of the late king's Walletini's daughters disputed the authenticity of the regent's will. Prince Tukokani Zulu, another member of the royal family and brother to the new successor, apparently stood up to question the announcement. In the midst of all the chaos, the newly named heir was then whisked away by heavily armed security. The Zulu monarch's role is largely spiritual and ceremonial. Though the role has no executive power, the late king was known to occasionally be involved in politics. The king also has moral influence over more than 11 million Zulus, nearly a fifth of South Africa's population. The monarch is also recognized by Zulu people around Africa, including in Malawi, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe. So the title is a pretty big deal. Debris from parts of China's Long March 5B rocket was set to crash down on Earth during the weekend between May 8th and May 9th. But space agencies do not know when or where exactly. While the Pentagon expected to land around 11 p.m. GMT on Saturday, they are actually allowing for a nine-hour margin of error on each side. Space agencies around the world are anxious following the rocket's uncontrolled descent. The Long March 5B took off last April to install the first part of a Chinese space station that is under construction. The parts of this rocket that are now plummeting back to Earth have been orbiting the planet at more than 27,000 kilometers per hour. It will be one of the largest forms of space debris to return to Earth. It is about 30 meters long and weighs more than 26 tons. 
The trail of this huge debris could land as far north as New York, Madrid, or Beijing, or as far south as the New Zealand capital of Wellington, according to Harvard-based astrophysicist Jonathan McDowell. China has actually said that the risk of significant damage are actually minimal because most of the rocket's components will probably be destroyed upon re-entry, and many experts actually agree. Stories like this right here are why some of us have trust issues, okay? It has been reported that since December 2020, more than 9,000 airline passengers who took a coronavirus rapid test as a flight of Kuala Lamu International Airport in Medan, Indonesia, may have been tested with, guess what, reused cotton swabs. Yes, they reused the kind of swab test that is actually inserted in the nose. That is disgusting on so many different levels. The local police arrested four workers and the local manager of the major pharmaceutical company, Chemia Pharma. The company was working with the airport to help perform the test. The Medan-based Chemia Pharma employees were allegedly washing and repacking costume swabs for the test while pocketing up to 1.8 billion rupiah or about $125,000. Airline passengers in Indonesia are required to present a negative COVID-19 test results before they board, and many people go for the convenient test located at the airport. Since the alleged scam began in December, Kimia Pharma workers were testing between 100 and 200 passengers every single day at the airport, some with fresh tests and others with tests that were up in reused swabs. The reported scam was exposed when passengers started to complain about false positives, in response, local police sent an undercover officer to pose as a passenger to get tested. The officer tested positive at the airport, but then received a negative test somewhere else. Police subsequently raided the airport test site and discovered swab recycling. They also seized more than 149 million rupiah, or about $10,000. The police is now trying to follow up with passengers to see if any of them contracted COVID-19 from the reused swabs. Two human rights lawyers are, rightfully in my opinion, suing Kumer Farmer over the alleged soil swabs. Indonesia as a country has reported nearly 1.7 million cases of COVID-19 during the pandemic and more than 46,000 deaths. These five employees now face up to 10 years in jail if they are found guilty. We are back in South Africa for this next story where the government has said that it's going to end its captive lion industry. The country's environmental department will stop issuing permits to breed, keep, hunt, or interact with captive bred lions. A number of factors were thought to have influenced this decision, including growing public opposition to the industry for being inhumane, possible links between legal and illegal trade in lion bones, and greater understanding of the diseases that animals can pass to humans. The policy, which still needs to be made into law, would also effectively end the world's legal lion bone trade. South Africa is the only country given special dispensation by the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species to sell and export lion bones, claws, and teeth, and they have to be from captive lions. None of these parts from wild lions can be sold or traded anywhere. The announcement was broadly praised by wildlife advocates and conservationists, However, the South African Predator Association, a pro-captive breeding organization, had not yet responded to media requests for comments by the time the story was actually recorded. 
Okay, so this next story is of a phallic nature. Well, sort of. While scientists are essentially racking their brains over a permanent way to manage potholes, people around the world have been tackling their local potholes in very creative ways. For one man in New Zealand, pothole advocacy came in the form of phallic art. Geoff Upson, a 30-year-old handyman and self-professed road safety campaigner in Oakland, is somewhat of a local hero known for spray-painting neon green penises in pothole-reading roads. Yes, you heard that right. He now faces prosecution from Auckland Transportation for his artwork. Mr. Upson has been spray-painting in neon green color around potholes in Auckland since the year 2018, and he estimates that he has made more than 100 drawings. He says that he mostly draws circles around potholes, reserving the larger penis drawings for areas which are big enough. According to his discussion with Vice, the first time he drawn the road was out of frustration after he had logged about 20 complaints about a huge and dangerous pothole on a local road and had not yet received a response. He said that to date he hasn't really fully received the details about the potential prosecution and he feels nervous about the charges. But funny enough, he also said that he was disappointed that the Oakland Transport had not even made significant effort to repair the potholes. As you probably suspected, while local officials are quite displeased with his work, he has consistently received an outpouring of support across social media. In China, it is now illegal to order too much food or share binge-eating videos. China has passed an anti-food waste law that bans diners at restaurants from ordering more than they need. The legislation could actually shake up the experience of eating out for millions of people. The law, which recently came into effect, was part of an anti-food waste campaign that swept across the country last year after Chinese President Xi Jinping called food waste a distressing problem that threatened China's food security. In addition, filming or sharing videos of binge eating, a type of eating known as mukbang, is now banned. While China is not facing imminent food shortages, President Xi launched a food-saving campaign in August, saying that the economic disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic was a wake-up call that the country needed to actually secure its food supply. The United Nations World Food Program has said that supply chain disruptions during the pandemic pushed tens of millions of people to the brink of starvation. According to new law, restaurants could be fined up to $1,550 for misleading consumers into ordering excessive amounts of food and causing waste. Deforestation in Brazil's Amazon rainforest rose by 43% in April 2021 from the same month a year ago, according to preliminary government data. It was the second consecutive monthly rise in deforestation as the destruction accelerated ahead of the annual burning season. In the first four months of 2021, deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon totaled 1,157 square kilometers and was down 4% from a year before, according to the National Space Research Agency, INPE. Brazil is under intense international pressure led by the United States to actually rein in the destruction of the world's largest tropical rainforest. The rainforest has been flagged as critical in curbing catastrophic climate change because of the vast amount of greenhouse gases that it absorbs. Last month, President Jair Bolsonaro committed to increase funding for environmental enforcement and to end deforestation by the year 2030. 
The UN's disarmament chief, Izumi Nakamitsu, reported the discovery of an undeclared chemical warfare agent at a Syrian site to the Security Council meeting held on Thursday, May 6th. The discovery is the latest sign that the Syrian government of President Bashir al-Assad has not fully complied with the U.S. and Russia brokered agreement in 2013 that was to destroy the country's stockpiles. The report indicated that an analysis of samples from storage containers at a previously declared chemical weapons facility revealed that there was a large volume of chemical warfare agent present. Syria's government recently denied the site was used to produce chemical warfare agents. However, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, or OPCW, found that the written explanation from the Syrian government was actually not sufficient enough to explain the chemicals present at the site. This matters because Syria's government under President Bashar al-Assad has maintained since the year 2014 that it surrendered its entire chemical weapons stockpile for destruction after prompted by Russia to give up its cash in the year 2013. But since then, there have actually been chemical weapons attacks that the UN investigators have pinned on the Syrian regime. To add to this, Russia's government, which has militarily and diplomatically backed Assad in his country's decade-long civil war, continues to attack the credibility of the OPCW. Following this recent report, there's another report on the OPCW's inspection last year of the Bashra and the Zamria facilities of the Syrian Scientific Studies and Research Center that is expected to be presented soon. In my opinion, if this next story had happened, say, 100 years ago, I suspect a war may have broken out. But thankfully, this just led to some laughs and a request to rectify the damage. A farmer in Belgium has caused a little bit of a stir after inadvertently rejoined the country's border with France. Yes, you heard that right. A local history enthusiast was walking in the forest when he noticed that the stone marking the boundary between the two countries had moved by 2.29 meters or 7.5 feet. The Belgian farmer was apparently annoyed by the stone that was in his tractor's path, so he did the only logical thing. He moved it. Inadvertently, he moved the border marker inside French territory. Essentially, he made Belgium bigger and he made France smaller. Thankfully, thankfully, the incident has been met with smiles on both sides of the border. The border between France and what is now Belgium stretches 620 kilometers or 390 miles. It was formally established under the Treaty of Kortrijk, signed in the year 1820 after Napoleon's defeat at Waterloo five years earlier. The stone dates back to the year 1819 when the border was first marked out. Local Belgian authorities plan to contact the farmer to ask him to actually return the stone to its original location. And if that doesn't happen, the case could end up in the Belgian Foreign Ministry, which will then have to summon a Franco-Belgian border commission that has been dormant since the year 1930. Imagine causing a potential international dispute just because you want to till your land. And finally, man, this... Episodes do go by pretty fast, don't they? But yes, even good things must be wrapped up. But yes, finally, this story is one of those weird ones we refer to in the introduction that we cover here. Well, maybe not weirder than the phallic drawings and potholes, but I will let you decide. The town of Noto in Japan has been criticized for using hundreds of thousands of dollars designated for COVID relief for something that is arguably less important. To build a giant... 13 feet tall, 
an almost 43 feet long squid statue. Yeah. Local officials justify the spending by saying that they hoped the statue would actually boost local tourism. The town was given 800 million yen or about 7.3 million US dollars from the central government in relief funds, according to local media. The aid program aimed to boost local economies which have struggled to stay afloat during this pandemic. Now, while the funds did not exactly have to be spent on COVID relief, a lot of people across the country have criticized the town's administration for spending, get this, $228,000, otherwise known as too much money, on a giant squid, especially as the pandemic is not even over yet. A town official said that the statue is part of a long-term strategy to spread the word about Noso's fishing industry and its local delicacy, the squid. The statue can also be used as a photographic background and a playground for children. One resident told the local newspaper that while the statue may bring tourists in the long future, the grant could have actually been used for urgent support, such as funding medical staff and long-term care facilities. Another person said that he wished locals had at least been given the opportunity to offer ideas into what the money could have been spent on before officials spent the money. What do you think? It is a good-looking squid, but is it the right spending at the right time for the right purpose? With that being said, I would like to wish you a great week ahead. If you're binge-watching the episodes, on to the next one. There is a pretty cool backlog of stories that we cover every week. Some have fallen to the back of the news cycle. As you listen, I do encourage you to even look them up, see what has happened. Has there been any updates? Because these are just bite-sized coverages just so that you are aware of what's going on. With that, have yourself a fantastic, fantastic week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to tune in every week for a new episode. Overlooked is a Tunica Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen, with more on the way. So follow Tunica Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to be in the loop. Until next time, have yourself a great week ahead.